Y'all ain't even ready for what my man Colin Henderson is bringing on today's brand new Compete Everyday podcast. Let's go. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Competitor Nation, we are back. We are on this brand new episode talking how to master your mindset, talking mindfulness, gratitude, and being of service. I can't tell you how energized I am leaving this conversation with Colin. You can probably tell it in my voice. We just finished recording. I'm recording this intro right now because I'm fired up, want to share it with you, and I think you are going to get so, so much value out of today's show on building confidence, on how to just master your mindset, how to build a stronger, productive mindset. Colin's going to give you action steps. We're going to talk big picture, but we're going to get in the weeds, so stick around to all of this episode, and then I want you to go check out his website. We're going to be linking to it and his brand new book, A Quiet Mind, and then A Quiet Mind for Kids as well in the show notes. So if you love what Colin has to say, want to encourage you to check those out. If you haven't headed over to the Compete Everyday shop lately, we just dropped a brand new shirt called Hard Work. Potential doesn't promise success. What you do with it matters most is the text on the shirt because it's all about not what you were born with, but what you choose to build. It's one of the themes from Colin and I's conversation today about how do we better build our mindset because our potential is limitless in our mind if we do the work. And so we just dropped this brand new shirt and you can save 15% off. That's right. You can save 15% off this brand new shirt design with the code PODCAST. Use it on the shirt, use it on my book, use it on anything else in the store. But code PODCAST will get you 15% off any order at CompeteEveryday.com. Head on over, grab a shirt, grab a flag, grab a wristband, support the show. And now let's get into today's brand new episode. Get fired up, get ready, because here comes my man, Colin Henderson. Colin, what's happening this afternoon? JT, man, I'm fired up, bro. It's time to compete every day. Man, I I feel like, man, I'm already fired up from our our talk off air. Now we're diving in on air. Our poor listeners missed out on some some good background stuff. But, man, I love your energy. I love everything you're about since I, I got first connected with you online. And so today is going to be fun. Before we dive into a little bit of everything, I would say give us a snapshot of who you are today. Well, first off, I would say I'm married to Kendra Henderson, number one. Been married 11 years. Let's go. Uh, father of five kids, nine and under. People ask, why are you a mindset coach? I said, I've got five kids, nine and under. I need help all day, every day. No, but uh, author, speaker, uh, founder, CEO of Master Mindset. And I got into this mindset work, uh, Jay, because I struggle with confidence. Former college athlete, uh, business and sales. We did graduate school. I have all the accolades, all the, the resume on paper to be confident, but I hit anxiety. And I like to tell people, I'm a recovering perfectionist. If I wasn't first, I was last. And uh, 
just, you know, former athlete, you get your worth tied to outcomes and business and sales, selling to surgeons, hospitals, you know, the self-worth tied to outcome result. You know, what's, what's my ranking this week? Self-worth tied to outcome. And it kind of just hit a point about eight, nine years ago, where it was super exhausting, stressed out all the time, just was all out of whack. And in that moment of challenge, man, I had a mentor change my life flat out. And I was able to change companies and he was a, a sales coach, but really like a mindset coach. And he taught me this phrasing. He says, Colin, sales psychology beats sales strategy. Selling is a mental game. Here's all these books on uh, business and sales. Okay, that's fine. But like, here's the books that you need to get into. Power of thought, power of uh, self-image, uh, self-talk. When you visualize what happens to your brain. And I was like, what language do you speak of? <laughs> M Mr. Miyagi, like what is happening right now? Like, cause my, my coping thing was like working harder, like grinding. Yep. So it says phrasing listeners. Hey, are you grinding or are you grooving, man? Like, let's stop glorifying the grind. Let's, let's have some, some mental emotional tools to, to get in our lane, uh, self-awareness. Um, but really it's not about, I was in my own way. So I started applying all this stuff, man. Cause before that I was watching Netflix and I was watching sports and my escape was going to watch movies. It wasn't drugs, alcohol. I would like go to movies. Like I go back to back, man, middle of a workday just to escape reality. Yep. But I just, I started applying just like you start working out physically. You see your body transform. You build, you build confidence. I was applying these things going to the mind gym and healthier, happier, started setting sales records, uh, like number one in the nation. You know, I got promoted to national sales trainer. I started blogging about this stuff, started writing books about it. And now I do it full time. So I told you prior, my mission statement is to transform lives and normalize mindset training. We don't need to be sick to get better. I love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's funny me growing up in East Texas, and I've talked about this on the show before, like the mental side of the game was so woo woo, never discussed. It was put your head down and grind. And the older I've gotten, the more I've learned through conversations like this, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, like one, I identify why I did certain things. And two, I'm like, oh, if I'd only known. I want to ask you a question that you said at the very beginning, and I, and I absolutely love it, of how you positioned who you are, what you do now is first and foremost, husband and then dad. Did you always think that way or did the shift come when you started shifting the mindset around the sales psychology and things like that and, and, and detaching yourself from the outcome? Uh, I always had character and values. That was never yeah. a problem. Yeah. It, I, it, I just needed like coaching. Well, I was going to say, would you so, have said, but, but, but no, you that I, yeah, no, I, no, I, I would have said the same thing back then. I would okay. have said the same thing. Like, like I said, I've, I've always had like good values and good yeah. character that had, that was never a problem. I would have led with, you know, Christ or I would have led with yeah. my, my wife. I would have led with my, my kids. I love it. Uh, I would have said that, but was I actually living that? <laughs> That's the saying and doing are two different things, my friend. Absolutely. So I think you put me in front of someone. Actually, let's go even backstory. So part of my story, which is so interesting, is part of this anxiety that I had was attached to outcome and performance. A lot of it was is, um, you know, my, my, I had great parents. They loved me. Uh, but my dad was that dad that was like really intense. Like he was our coach. And if we didn't win, it was usually like the, the, the loud vocal dad. So yeah. I kind of like subconsciously like so worried about what are people thinking? How does that look? How am I performing? And that manifested a late onset slight stutter. So sixth grade, I changed schools. I'm in a new environment. And it's like at the peak of like all this anxiety stuff, like as a kid of like now I'm noticing sports and what are people thinking? And I got stuck on a word in class and that warm blank of shame came over me. And it's like this thought, you know, don't do that again. Cause that feels really uncomfortable and embarrassing. And uh, it's the phrasing thoughts become things like attracts, like energy flows where focus goes, which you resist persists, which you avoid, you attract. So by saying don't stutter, I would 
yep. do more of that. And I would avoid, you know, putting myself in environments where I had to, to, to read out loud or, or speak in public, what you don't usually lose. So my fluency got worse and worse and worse to where, you know, in, in high school and college, there were some times I could hardly answer the phone where I couldn't order food through a drive-thru where I couldn't even, I couldn't even say my own name. And my biggest anxiety ridden environment was if I was in like a, a group environment where we had to introduce ourselves and say where we're from and what we do because I couldn't hide. But I will say this, listeners, I want you to take notes here in the mind, Jim. Don't just think in Inca now. Let's make this an actionable, you know, a mental workout. So victory goes to the vulnerable. And you talked about, you know, college, you did learn this stuff. Well, we had PhD sports psychologists come work with us. I didn't ask for help. I wasn't open to learn. The mind's like a parish. It only works if it's open. I wasn't open to learn. But once I got vulnerable and said, I need help. So therapy, I did speech therapy when I was 27 years old, bro. I did like six months of speech therapy. And then I did three years of Toastmasters where I signed up to a club to practice public speaking in front of a bunch of people. So it's like, man, if I can change my mindset, anybody can, because I went from a stutterer to a speaker. If you do what you fear the most, there's nothing you cannot do. I love it. Well, and and there's there's a couple of reasons I'd ask you kind of that as a teaser is one, I love when people lead with the family and you you immediately know what's most important. And I think a lot of us get caught into the idea of our identity of what we do and who we are is what we do, which is what you know you talked about in the sales side. And so that the kids and family and things come last. And the first time I ever heard it differently was uh, John Froman that runs, I think, Front Row Dads. Uh, and a guy that had connected us and he had gone a chunk of his life with it backwards and was like, mm-hmm. no, like I need to, I, I'm a husband and a dad first. Then I do all mm-hmm. these other things. And so anytime I hear it, it's like driving the yellow bug. I see the yellow bug everywhere. Like I'm, I'm looking for it. And I'm keying on it. And so I love that. And I loved how you explained that. Second thing I'm just fascinated by is the position you're in now. One, I love the fact of all the things that you overcame and you work through to grow and develop by putting yourself out there to get to this point. And it's not, it was not an easy road. We might've talked about it in just a few minutes, but I know that was not an easy process. And so for listeners, like you have the opportunity to change your thoughts, to change how you show up and it'll change your life. But how did you pivot? I would say from the position of, man, I'm sales. I'm one of the best in the country to now you still do sales. We're all in sales, but Really, you're going in and helping people change their mindsets, and you do a lot in the athletic space. Take us how you started to make that move in your career. Mm. Well, I was so fired up, man. I was like uh, Saul, who was killing Christians, who got transformed to Paul. Is like knocking on doors. I'm sharing the good news. Well, terrified to open the door because hey, you were last week. Well, I, I'm out. I'm just doing is sharing the yeah. good news. So I just was like, I've, I've lived the other way. And if Russell Wilson has a mental performance coach and everybody, you know, like, let's just normalize this. So I, I really believe this to be true. If you had two sales teams, sales team, a normal training, onboarding product service, here's the objections. Here's, you know, whatever close strategy. Here's this, the pitch, yada, yada. You know, we all get that yep. here. Here's sales group B who gets 20% of that. And we get trained on self-awareness, on courage, on fear management, on motivation, on self-empathy, on um, power of self-talk language. When you visualize what happens, process over outcome, like the power of habit, shape your habits, your habits shape you, like power of service and gratitude. Who's going to win? No question. 
the team yeah. that has the mental performance side is going to win. Yeah, yeah, Group B. So because I was that guy, I was doing, I was teaching myself this stuff, and I was Group A for most of my sales career, working hard, grinding, you know, have some ups and downs, wasn't consistent, self worth tied to outcome. Once I got this more focus on like mental performance, um, I saw transformation. I saw results. So you can talk whatever you want about whatever philosophy, but it's all about results. It is. So I started blogging about the shit I was doing. So I started a blog, old school, man, uh, Blogspot, Google, Blogspot. Oh, I, yeah. blog, I started a blog called, called Project Rise. So I was like, man, I'm trying to share the good news. I, got, I finally got vulnerable. And that's the thing, man. If you can make your mess your message, make your mess your, your, your mission, um, it just takes that anxiety and that fear away because you're out and it's about other people. It's not about you. So I started blogging like three times a week for like a year. And through that blogging, no expectation, um, kind of like your story, you're like, man, that, that, that program you did, 30 Days of Gratitude and Service, like, dude, we're using it as, as like a, a school building. Or um, can you come talk about, man, you, that, that post you made about you know, the power of self-image, like, man, well, our, our team needs that. But then I also, you know, digging in, into my fear, I was like, I, I need to get over this fear of like formal like public speaking. So I, I mastered Toastmasters, which was a controlled, you know, 10 yep. to 12 people environment. So it's like, now I need some live bullets, man. I need to like go out into the wild and get some live action. So through the blog, it gave me the courage. Well, I'm going to start giving this message live. And, you know, I was doing all that while I was, you know, number three in the nation, number one in the country, uh, writing books, you know, on stage, like number one on stage. And our, our VP of sales, Bard Medical, bought 500 copies for, for everybody. So it was just kind of organically. I just, and I like to say this, man, once you attack fear, everything changes. You know, uh, God put the best in life on the other side of fear. You know, the anticipation is worse than the participation. So just oh. lean into it, get into it. And you're like, dude, it's not that bad. And like, I feel so much better once I did that. The longer you wait, you add weight. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Man, the worst part of any race is not the race. It's sitting in the stalls waiting to go because you're antsy of like, Am I going to make it? Am I going to hit my time? Do I need to pee? Like, am I going to poop my pants? I got to race. Like what? It's all. And then once action goes, you're gone. Yeah. Like, how do I 100%. go? Well, I want to, I want to challenge listeners. This one of my favorite quotes is from philosopher, writer, Joseph Campbell. He says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So everyone listens right now. There's something that you want that you're not doing. I know it. There's something that you aspire to or dream about, or when you have time to yourself, you're like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could. And, but you got you know, this pit in your stomach, which is awesome, but there's this, what's called the idea action gap. You have this idea, but you're not taking action. The longer you wait, the worse it gets, the, the, the you know, the less likely you're going to do it. So that nervousness in your stomach is life's best clue for you to take action and to get comfortable being uncomfortable and to get vulnerable, to do it, write it, read it, speak it and say, what's one step you can do. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember what your first step was in starting to shift the the mentality from identity attached to outcome to mm -hmm. process. Do you remember well, kind of that? Yeah, I do. I, I remember. So it was like rock bottom. So um, the company I was at prior to Bard was called GSK. And and part of our conversation was like verbal tests over the phone. And your boy had a nervous breakdown every time. You know, my, my mortgage payments relying on how I speak these scientific terminology to some operator I can't even see. So I struggle with that. So Rock bottom, right? Rock bottom. But I love this phrasing. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. I think step one, it says, I'm ready. 
it's time. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I am committed to this. Excellence is a decision. It's a decision followed by action. So you don't have to have the most perfect plan, but it's just a decision. Like I'm done feeling crappy. I'm done being at like 30% of my God given ability and talent. Like I'm ready to go. So, you know, um, I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to do the work. So, uh, and it's interesting is like, once you make that declaration and commitment, things start happening. People start lining up. You start noticing, hearing, uh, seeing things. So I was able to change companies. Uh, but actually a step before that, a step before that was, uh, I, I read a book called Positive Intelligence by Shirzat Shermi. Your, your book was the uh, Miller's book, The Million, million Miles. What's yep, book Million called? Miles in a Thousand miles. Years by Don, yeah, yeah. Don I, Miller. I got to yeah. get that. Well, that opened your eyes. So this book, Positive Intelligence, was like, I, have, I would say, okay, a, a step one would be to just decide. Like I'm, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. You're interested or you are committed. Let's, let's pick one. If you're just interested, you're not gonna, you're gonna make excuses, delay, put it off. You're committed to do whatever it takes. So just decide. And then I think for me, step two was when I read this book, I, I, I just raised awareness on how negative I am. And I'll, I'll throw it on you, JT. What, what percent of human thoughts are negative? Oh, man. And I've heard Trevor talk about this a ton, and I should know this statistic, but I'm going to guess it's 75 to 80%, if not higher. Yeah. So, so the, the National Science Foundation research out of Maryland, out of Michigan State, report that 80% of human thoughts are negative. And 95% of human thoughts are reoccurring. We have an ancient brain in modern times. This amygdala, this limbic system is designed to sabotage you, to play it safe, to not, you know, give you, put yourself out there to failure or harm, but it's like, we're not chased by lion tigers. So it's how do I look? Like, what do people think? So step one is to decide. Step two is to notice when your inner critic is firing. This internal judge, Judy, that's designed to sabotage you. It's designed to play it safe and say, I love this, uh, this, this really deep question. Um, I learned from Dr. Susan David. She asked who's in charge, the thinker or the thought. JT, who, 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 who's Man. in charge? I mean, the, the thinker is uh, because they determine whether you're going to give in to that thought or not. Uh, and you have to control what your cons- controls or influences what you think. The problem is most of us think the thoughts in charge. And so when we have the thought, we think we have to act or the thought that we're not motivated. And so we can't take action or on down the line. Well, here's the truth. Ooh. Because, because, because of the bias for negativity, your first thought most likely will be negative. But watch this. If your mind is trained, the second, third, fourth thought doesn't have to be. You can notice and redirect. So I'm of the belief that the thinker in the end is in charge. The untrained mind, the thought's in charge. The, yep. the mind that's conditioned, like that's fit mentally, emotionally, the thinker is in charge. It's like, do you have a dog, Jake? Yep, two of them. Well, who's in charge? Are they walking <laughs> you or are you walking them? Depends on the day, but most Exactly. <laughs> But ideally, man, you put that dog yep. through some training early on to sit, to stay, to that, that's mindfulness. So, so mindfulness is the, the practice of self-awareness through being present without judgment. So by noticing that thought, and really I like to challenge people, hey, just you notice a thought that's not serving you, just ask these two questions. Is that thought true said by who? You know, how do you beat your old self and how do you be, compete every day and be your best self is just your thought, your thought life, your thought materials, you're just going to be throwing some negative stuff at you, just how the brain's wired, but you get to decide, redirect, hey, I am worthy of this. 
I can't, we call this developing your internal advertising campaign. So most people talk themselves into failure or playing small or scarcity and lack or imposter syndrome, or we can talk ourselves into greatness. I have put in the work. I've had success before. I, I do love and care about people. Why not me? I am built for this. So step one is to decide. Step two is to notice where your thoughts are. If they're negative, let's stay neutral to positive, redirect, develop an ad campaign based off of truth. And, and I want you to, to mention something real, real quick on that. I know what you're talking about, but for our listeners, when you, you say neutral first intentionally before positive, and I think a lot of mm. people, they've been listening to the show for a while, they know the difference between productive thoughts and positive thoughts. But for those mm. that may be new listening, they're thinking, well, thinking positively, that's, that's the way to go, right? I just got to think positively instead of negatively, but there's, there's more to it with neutral, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm someone who loves gratitude. I love optimism. Yes. I can, I can quote the science of optimism. Optimism just, all day. Well, you just, we can come back and I'll quote some studies on optimism, okay. but let's just dig into this one. So when we're in a competitive environment, when we're in a challenging environment, when we're in adverse conditions, telling someone to be positive is, is lacking empathy. And there's this phrasing, it, you can create what's called toxic positivity, which is just yep. not fair. So when you're driving a car, when you're in reverse going backwards, you got to get to neutral first before you can go in, into drive. So we just say, you know, true or false, there's two modes of thinking, positive or negative, that's false. So there's actually a middle ground, which is called neutral thinking, which is we're really not positive or not negative. We're just unbiased. We're just present. We're not judging, critiquing. There's no future. There's no past. It's like, like you talked about what, what's what I wrote it down. Win the next. What's the next best behavior? So ne neutral thinking is based off of truth. What has happened doesn't mean it'll happen again. Yep. But I have to learn from what has happened. And I, I teach a drill called good, better, next. What's something that went good? What's one thing that we can improve on? What, what am I going to do next? So we say you don't have to be positive. We're just not going to go negative. Bad is stronger than good. When we verbalize negativity, there's some science out of Georgetown that shows negativity is four to seven times more powerful than being positive. So we don't have to go positive. Let's just not go negative. It's like if you're, you know, imagine TCU playing the Longhorns. You know, yep. we're down. What's going to happen to that conference, man? Oh, man. Makes me sad every time we talk about, well, they're gone. Uh, okay. Texas and OU, I think, are they've got maybe one more year. And I have no idea what's going to happen to my Horn Frogs. But I know we are seven and three against the Longhorns. Okay, so, 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 so let's, let's just go, let's just go uh, to TCU-SMU. There we go. Rivalry, okay. okay. Okay, and we're in a neutral site. You got one side that's Frogs and one side that's just blue and red just getting after it, right? Yep. Okay, and one's booing, one's cheering. It just hears, feels like noise in, in the stadium. So what do we need to do to hear more cheers, do you think? Well, to hear more cheers, you probably have to go toward the side that's cheering you if you're going to be on that side of the field if we're split down the middle. I would say no. We just get the, get the side that's booing to shut up. Ha <laughs> ha, which makes sense. So if we can just turn down negative, we don't have to turn up positive. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, which, in a lot which is of, why in an opposing stadium, when you make a big play and it goes silent, that's one of the best things in the world. It's better than but, hearing your own crowd cheer. So, so what that metaphor teaches us is we don't have to go more positive. We just go less negative. And so what we consume, what we watch, who we're around, what we verbalize, what we think, what we say, like what we, 
watch. And mental conditioning is shaped by what we see here and experience. So is your conditioning on, you know, what I call past trauma, drama, daddy and mama, all the negative stuff that you're reliving and preliving? Are you consuming negative things you're around negative people? Is your environment, you know, negative? Well, if we can eliminate addition by subtraction and, and get to neutral, we don't have to go crazy positive. Which makes sense. A hundred percent sense. That was one of the things that stood out. We talked about in Trevor's book is I've always been aware of the consumption from what are you watching, getting off of cable news? What are you reading? Things like that. The one that he talked about in his book that I was very intentional and have become more intentional with is music and the lyrics and music of not really paying attention to what's going in that very much in terms of being more intentional and controlling what you're inputting. Well, um, you got Trevor. Yep. You know, he's one of the, the great best mindset coaches in the game. 2017 sports illustrated brains world's best brain trainer. But so Trevor's got a lot of good stuff. Um, but one thing that he talks about is, you know, he quotes some things from Gallup or something that when you're watching news in the morning, at the end of the day, 27% of people said they had a shitty day. So I, I'm just more aware of like, what am I watching? Like yeah. scrolling, you know? So it's like, it just sets the say tone. That, say that for, word one more time. What do you, what else? I'm that's, intentional? No, that's it? scrolling. Oh yeah. People scrolling, getting on their exactly. phones and just not paying attention yeah. to who you follow, what you're taking in. Yeah. And then, so you create, when you're scrolling, you create FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, when you're posting and you're looking at likes, you know, comments, you're creating FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. So it's just, you know, so I really teach there, there's four levels of confidence. Okay. Let's just transition here. I mean, who doesn't want to be more confident, right? So the first level of confidence is no confidence. You don't believe in yourself. You got imposter syndrome, lots of, lots of self-doubt. Uh, anxiety maybe you're just like you've lost before the, the moment even started we got salespeople out there like you know that you're gonna lose that call you give yourself no chance because they're not gonna buy for me or i'm not built for this or worthy of this level two is what is what i call shaky confidence you need to see an outcome someone has to buy for me i have to get x amount of views i have to have x amount of reshares or comments for me to say, hey that was a good thing or i believe in myself level three is what i call stable confidence you need validation you need someone to affirm that you're good or that's a good idea. You know, think of the last time you did like a, a, a training, um, Jake, and like, hey, how'd that sound? Is that good? Like you just need someone to affirm yeah. it, which so, so we got no comments. We got, I got to see outcome. And what I love about, you know, giving people examples like in sports, I love telling the story of how Kobe Bryant was playing some other guard and the guard went over nine in the first half and he stopped shooting. And they asked Kobe, what do you think about that? He went over nine, he stopped shooting. And Kobe's like, I would go over 30 before I go over nine. It takes a profession to go over 15 and keep shooting, my friend. Yep. You know, and then and then just I don't need I don't need to have verbal validation to believe. Like I, I trust my, my core values, I, I trust the plan. Um, is seeing believing or is, is believing seeing? And then level four is unshakable confidence, is I have my core values. You know, I don't need to see an outcome right away. I don't need to get approval from everyone for me to believe in myself. So for me, when I post content, it's of service, man. Like I'm just, I'm just going to speak my truth. I'm going to be authentic. And I have a system of like how I make content, which we can talk about. But it's like, I'm just going to put it out there. And I know some things are going to hit, some not. But like, it's the practice. This is a daily practice. This is not like I'm going to throw stuff out because I need someone's life. No, this is a lifestyle, man. I don't count hours. Got to get the reps. 
And every day, if you're in, you know, it's funny when you said that my, we talked offline, my speaker coach, Michael Port, one of the most important things he ever taught me when we were training together, he said, most people obviously are terrified of public speaking. It's one of the high, the biggest fears for a majority of people, because when we get on stage, we're at that confidence level of one, two or three. We need the validation, you know, we're shaky or we don't have any, and we're so worried about what everybody in the audience is thinking of us, what our shoes look like. Am I going to mess up? Whatever. He said, your job when you step on stage is solely to be in service of that audience. And I talk about that because I'm like, it's amazing what you just said right there of how can I be of service? How can I create content that adds value when you're not focused on you and you're just like, how can I help? How can I add value? How can I encourage, educate, help someone be better at what they're doing? You're not worried about that other stuff because it's not about you and that focus is somewhere else. And so I I love hearing that and, and just want to reinforce that. When you step on stage as a speaker, our job is not to look good. Our job is to help others. And when you have that yeah. focus, if you're if you're in sales, your job is to help solve a problem for whoever that customer is. And, and so the more we flip our perspective, the more it helps us from a, a gratitude standpoint, because we're grateful for the opportunity to help and the less we care about those things. And if you if yeah. you're listening and you struggle with some of that, Instagram has a feature in the settings where you can turn off the likes turn them off. You'll see people might've liked it. You don't have a clue how many, and it, anybody you scroll by, you don't see how many people have liked their posts. It completely eliminates that thirst for validation of how many likes did I get? How many did somebody else get? And just moves it off the table entirely for you. So if you struggle in that area, that's an option to help better train your brain around mm-hmm. it and just getting out of the need to seek it. And I'll just add a few layers to this now. I love this yeah. quote from Ma- from Megan Rapino. She says, your opponent is more nervous than you. You think you're nervous? Everyone else is nervous, man. Like they're not judging you. They're worried about how they look. Yeah. And that's one. And number two is never give a speech, have a conversation. It's connection, not perfection. It's progress, not perfection. It's, it's connecting. It's not, no one ever speaks perfectly, ever. Just like that when in, in 2000, whatever it was, 15, when you're at that, that the hospital and you're talking like you didn't you were not a Paul speaker. You didn't have like the, you didn't have a speaker coach. But um, but Linda, who, who saw you was like, this person is authentically wanting to serve and help. Like I, we need more of that. So just know this. Like I think about baseball. The, the hitter is thinking everyone's looking at me. The pitcher is thinking everyone's looking at me. The umpire is thinking everyone's thinking I'm calling balls and strikes. The manager is thinking everyone's judging how I'm calling the game. The scout in the stands thinking, hey, my GM and my you know, owner is judging how am I evaluating. So everyone's thinking everyone's looking at it. It's, it's a lie. They're worried about how they look. So the moment yeah. you can walk into that environment and just know this, the person with nothing to prove is the most dangerous person in the room. 100%. Because you're grounded in the present moment. It's not about you. It's about connecting to the moment. It's about loving and serving. It's not about outcome. It's about growth. We talked about, you know, fixed versus growth mindset. You know, fixed mindset is you're worried about uh, how people look at you. You're worried about getting feedback. When other people have success, you feel threatened by it. You know, you don't want to be challenged because it's going to attack your ego. But growth mindset is, it's, it's validation and effort. It's, it's fulfillment and growth. It's, you want feedback. You know, and and fill your way to the top. People ask me, calling that, you know, you've written, you know, you got, you know, two books coming this fall. You've written five books already. You're, you know, you're a national speaker. You have a podcast. Like, how 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 do I do that? And I was like, you haven't failed enough. Yep. Go you haven't back. failed enough. Yeah. Just <laughs> you go back. Enough. Let's go. Go back. Let's fail watch, some more. watch, man. It's 
it's the people, you know, you go on YouTube and you see videos that are incredibly polished. You've got some awesome videos I told you about. And I love kind of your reels and stuff. But I bet if I went back five or six years and watched some of those videos side by side, they wouldn't even compare. And that's how, the, how, that, how about four years ago? So when I launched my first book, Project Rise, I paid 900 bucks. I paid these two dudes. We rented a studio and we we're supposed to film six videos. I had this uh, system, goals V, gratitude, objective, affirmation, learn, serve, visualize. I didn't post any of them. It was that bad. It was that bad, bro. I would like had all these notes and I was going to cut up everything. And, and I, I think, I mean, it, I was a bad hire because they, they didn't do a great job. But like, I did not post one of those videos. But it's just like I said, just reps, man. Every single day, repetition. It's like, you know, in, in sports, Tom Brady practices, you know, five or six days a week. And he plays on Sunday. So would it be negligent if he didn't practice? Would it be, you know, he's making a lot of money, right? So, so yeah. salespeople, salespeople, speakers, are you practicing? Are, are you getting your reps in every single day? Are you doing some free events to, to polish yourself? So I think, you know, how did I get started too? So what I, uh, so school started asking to speak. So if I would book an assembly, I would call a few of my teacher friends and say, Hey, can I come in your class? And I got this, this, uh, assembly I'm doing in a few weeks. Can I just practice on your classroom? Like, yeah, I mean, for free. I was like, yes. So 30 or 20 to 30 kids is way better to mess up instead of in front of a thousand kids. Right? And kids so are a you, tough audience too. They are. But all, all I'm saying is like practice, get yeah. your reps in. Repetition is the mother of, of mastery. And then you get to figure out timing and tone and confidence and where to position yourself. Where's the right transition? What's an activity works? What joke lands? What doesn't? How to raise your voice? How to slow it down and bring people in. And they get fired up. And, you know, so it's just, you just, it's all timing, but you got to practice it. You got to practice it. Jerry Seinfeld's writing jokes every single day all of his life pretty much. And, you know, those first ones probably weren't that good, but he just kept writing them every day. And but he talks, you, he talks about earning your X though. Yeah. You got to earn your X. X in the box. That's right. Yeah. And then when yeah. you get seven, when you get seven in a row, that's a, like a string of success or like a, a chain of success. So. And you don't want the streak to break. So you keep showing yeah. up and getting those reps. That's all that's it exactly. is. We yeah. see snapshots today of greatness and we assume they came out of nowhere, but we fail to see all of the ugly, messy, sloppy work they came in before it, which I love hearing you talk about because, man, we I, if I could preach anything, especially to younger listeners, chase progress, not popularity. Chase progress, not popularity, because progress is going to be messy. It's going to be ugly at first. You're not mm -hmm. going to look perfect, polished, or all together, but over the big picture, it's kind of funny. You get enough of that progress, you start to win. And the funny thing about winning is everybody wants to know how a winner became one. You start to get a little yeah. bit of that popularity. Well, it's true, but really, I think in, in the game that we're in, and if you're salespeople, it's really about are, are you solving problems? Like, yes. do, do you bring do you bring value? So, one of the questions I like to ask, um, you know, leaders is, hey, how would you break down the word leadership in one word, Jake? How would you Inf break down the word leadership? For in me, one I'd word? say influence. This is coming from John C. Maxwell, the guru. And then, well, how would you break down the word influence? One word, value. So if everything you're doing is making it about them and serving their problems, their needs, that's why when I do a lot of my events, I do a quick survey with either the, the team or the leader. Like, hey, what are some issues, challenges? Like, how can I how can I serve you the best? Like, what, what's a good outcome you're looking for? If this would be a perfect event, like, what would you looking for? Where, where are things holding you back? Like, just figure out some of their problems or needs, and then and then use your content, skill set, knowledge to help address and solve that problem. 
That's the most, I'm going to tell you right now for anybody listening, what he just said is the most important thing from a prep standpoint for a talk that you can have asking the client, what's a win look like? What are the challenges you're facing? Like knowing that, because that's what your job is as a speaker. It's not to come up, speak and motivate people. It's to help somebody solve a problem. That's true. And I say, stop being a mind reader. Ask know. questions. This is, this is from Voltaire. He says, don't judge a person by their answers, judge them by their questions. Because it shows you have empathy, that you care, that, that you're curious. And then other, if we have speakers on here, I think what I like to do is I don't just end with the, the keynote or the workshop. I got follow-up. I got a series of follow-up emails with a short video with a few calls to action, keeping them accountable. You, you don't need entertainment. You can hire a band and pay 10 grand for an hour or two hours to get entertained. Yep. Am I here for entertainment? Maybe a little bit, but I'm here for transformation. So we want to entertain, educate, and then transform. Yep. You know, but give them tools to do that. So I would say listeners, you know, speakers, salespeople, man, th think about a sequence. So if I'm, if I'm coming to do a keynote, I'll, I'll send, hey, I'm going to film a, a 30 second hype video, get people fired up. I'm going to attach a few, a few of my podcasts to get them primed on the messaging so they can start thinking about it. You know, I'm going to do a little survey. So I'm going to know what your needs are. And I'm going to oftentimes pull that survey into my, into my training. I'm going to deliver a keynote or a workshop based off of your needs that we agreed upon. And then I'm going to follow up. Uh, you want to do a series? You want to do a, a six-month series? Do you want to do a year-long program? Do you want just a few follow-up emails to really pull through the, through the content? So really, it's about transformation. So um, I think I want to challenge listeners to think different, think bigger. Don't just think about entertainment. Oh, man, so much incredible value you've been dropping today. What I want to do, though, is I want to know you've written a ton of books. You decided to write another one because the process is, oh, so fun. It, it, the the bloodletting and, and just grind that is writing a book and publishing it out for the world. Mm -hmm. I know you know multiple times over, and you've got one coming out in just next week, dropping on September 14th. Tell me about The Quiet Mind and then the partner book, I guess you would call it, The Quiet Mind for Kids. That's great. Thank you for asking that question. Yeah. So oftentimes, uh, listeners, if you want to write a book, how I usually write, write my books is I do a workshop. I do the workshop a lot. I get feedback, the stories, the drills, the concepts, and I take that workshop, I turn it into a book. So this book's a little different. Um, a few years ago, I got a phone call from a major league baseball team saying, we have some players in our farm system that have the yips. And the, and the yips is where you have like a mental block. Like you can't throw the, the ball back to the pitcher. Or one of them was a yep. coach who couldn't throw batting practice. He was like hitting guys. And like think about his value and like confidence as a coach. So we have yep. one player who couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher, one coach who couldn't throw batting practice anymore. And they're like, Colin, can you, can you work with us to help, help him out? And I was like, well, I can't solve this problem via text. So I, I put together a mental conditioning program that I've written out like a diet plan or an, an exercise plan, but this is a mental conditioning, healing, self-compassion, courage, fear management, pressure management. And then I send a bunch of audios for them to listen to and then to verbalize and to practice and we kind of stay in touch. So I took that program and turned it into a book. And then I took that program and made a kid's version of it called quiet mind for kids, you know, father of five kids, not an under. And what, I was about to say, what age is the kids book for? I would say, you know, first grade up to like sixth grade. Okay. So it really tells a story about a character named, named Ray, which I retell my story of 
stuttering in class and fear. And if I could teach my, my younger self uh, four steps to train a quiet mind, I, we teach the uh, best method, breathe, envision, self-talk, and to be thankful. And there's a, like a, a little journal part of the back. They can fill out their, their plan as a parent and a teacher coach. You can help them fill out their, their plan to have a quiet mind and to practice you know, affirmations and breathing and how to visualize what you want, not what you don't want, and practice that skill and how to practice the mental skill of, of gratitude being thankful. And then in the kid's book, I wrote a, a, a mindfulness script that parents can read over them. Teachers can read to their kids <clears throat> so they can train their mind to be present, you know, to let go of outcome, to, you know, practice seeing uh, success instead of failure, you know, to, to being compassionate with how they speak to themselves, to train that and to really train gratitude. I mean, gratitude is like broccoli for your brain. You know, so just this, it's a mental skill we can train. So let's get these tools to these kids now. Let's not wait till there's a problem. I say prehab, let's go. Prehab, yep. not rehab. As much as we need rehab and therapy and counseling, I love that. But we also need some mental conditioning, some some weight room work, not just training room. We need some weight room work with, with our, our brain. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the one thing we've laughed about and talked about here on the show is the last year and a half, two years have been nuts. They're, most everybody was caught off guard. The people that had done the work to build the mental skills were better able to adapt and adjust. Now, as things change and some areas are coming out, everybody eventually comes out of it. People are going to leave with two mentalities. Either I wasn't prepared mentally for this and I need to build the skills now in case something ever happens again, or I hope I'm ready the next time something happens and they don't do any work. And so if you're listening to the show, I know you're in the first group. You're, you're committed to doing the work now. You don't want to wait. You don't want to delay. So I want to encourage you to pick up this book. If you're a parent, grab the kids version too, because one, you can do it with them, but two, they need to see you practicing. They need to see you living it out as much as helping them do it as well. And, and we all at that age, and we were able to develop some of these skills of gratitude and, and even just mindfulness being locked into the moment, how different we would have made certain choices and actions we would have taken growing up that, that probably would have helped us along the way. So highly, highly want to encourage that we to both here in the show notes. Colin, man, you put out some incredible content online that I want everybody to follow along and get to know. So where's the best place to get connected with you? I would say Instagram. So you can follow me uh, at Colin Henderson. So Colin with two L's. Um, you can go to my website, thecolinhenderson.com. You can pre-order Quiet Mind. You can get the bundle, save. Um, and I'll just kind of end with this thought, man. In, in the history of telling someone to calm down, no one's ever calmed down. <laughs> so... Instead of yelling at your kids to be chill and quiet and be, be resourceful and be resilient, let's teach them how to be resilient. Let's teach them the skills, the drills to, to be in, in the moment. Um, and, and parents need work too, man. Let model these behaviors. But I think a lot of times people want to be tough mentally. They want to be present, conversation, but they don't, there's not a lot of coaches that are like, you can go get a coach on how to lift weights, how to you know, run how to, you know, fill in the blank, but like how to manage yourself, how to train the things we talked about, uh, self-awareness, self-talk, self-image, courage, and, you know, process over outcome, the power of habits, creating motivation, gratitude and service. Like I'm going to train you how to do that. And I'll give you daily drills to do that. So it's not just theory. It's like, if you like Gary Vee, let's get out of the clouds in the dirt. So this is like in the dirt. This is like application city. Which is what we need. It's great to talk theory, but 
the listeners here on the show know, and, and you have been incredibly gracious today, providing action steps and things in the dirt that we can do to improve our mindset, to master our mindset so we can start mastering the life we want to build. Colin, man, this has been so much fun. Thank you incredibly for hanging out on the show this week. Love it. JT, it was a pleasure. And I'll end any single training video uh, podcast with this truth, listeners. Watch this now. The body has limits, but the mind is limitless. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.